Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Trigger podcast. My name is Thomas Dunning and today I am joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast, we'll be reacting to last weekend's English Premier League and Scottish Premier League results and Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be um, reacting to last weekend's English Premier League results. So I'll just quickly go through them all. So on Saturday, last Saturday, the results were Luton Town 0, Tottenham 1, Man United 2, Brentford 1, Fulham 3, Sheffield United 1, Everton 3, Bournemouth 0, Burnley 1, Chelsea 4, Crystal Palace 0, Nottingham Forest 0, and last Sunday, the results were Brighton 2, Liverpool 2, West Ham 2, Newcastle 2, Wolves 1, Aston Villa 1, and Arsenal 1, Manchester City 0. So Pierce, from these lists of matches, which match or matches stands out to you the most? Um, well, I've looked at two results that I think stand out for me. And it's uh, Manchester United 2, Brentford 1, and Arsenal 1, Manchester City 0. So I think we'll start with the... Uh, uh, Manchester United to Brentford one. Um, I felt as if another game at home where Manchester United struggled for about probably eighty minutes of the game. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the key players again are off it. They took they needed a goal. They bring off Rashford. They bring off like a lot of the attacking players like on the wing with Mason Mount, example, sixty million pound signing, and he's not really done anything this since he's moved. And then they bring on the uh, Scotland dynamic midfielder and Scott McTominay, who rescues a, a magnificent victory for them because I think the pressure started to build a little bit on Ten Hag. Um, because the football is not great, it's not exciting up, although they do have a lot of injuries, but there's you don't really see a style of play. It's like, and there's obviously a bit of falling out with the players off the field as well. So that it's just, it's kind of like a toxic club at the moment um, and they're struggling to get results because obviously they could beat uh, Crystal Palace uh, the week before at Old Trafford as well um, the second that could have been the third defeat in a row uh, if it wasn't for the late double by Scott McTominay who is in terrific form as well obviously for Scotland and uh, hopefully that continues to, uh, tonight against Spain um, in terms of Arsenal Man City another game that I thought was you expect like um, High intensity, high energy, both teams high pressing. But again, I thought it was a bit slow and lethargic, and it was quite, it took a while to get going. And Arsenal used their substitutes bench wisely because you get to bring on the quality of uh, Gabriel Martinelli, and uh, he, he um, won the game for them. We had to fight the strike. There wasn't much between the two sides, um, but a massive three points for Arsenal. And that's a game last season they struggled to take any points off of Manchester City because although Man City have got a, a little bit themselves of plague with injuries and obviously Arsenal um, didn't have their key man, uh, Bakayo Saka. Um, but again, they go over the line and that's a, a massive blow for Manchester City because that's now um, two defeats in a row because they lost against Wolves um, last week and, um, and now Arsenal as well. And that's a, that's a big dent. And that was a reality check for Manchester City that it won't be a cakewalk this year. 
And I thought to a man, Saliba and Gabriel, man marked Erling Haaland again because he never got a sniff. And if you give him even half a chance, he'll punish you. And uh, so that's the two games that I've chosen uh, for the Barkers Premier League. Uh, yep. Uh, thanks, Pierce. So my two uh, matches that stood out for me the most uh, in last week's Premier League was uh, Luton Town 0, Tottenham 1, and Burnley 1, Chelsea 4. So the reasons I, I've gone for these two matches, so starting off with Luton Town-Tottenham match, um, I just felt for Tottenham, um, you know, the fact that they went down to 10 men in that game in the first half um, with Eve Pazuma getting sent off, um, and then in the second half, we all thought that, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for Luton to get their first home win of the season. But uh, Tottenham got an early goal in the second half. And, you know, the way that they defended uh, for the rest of the match when they were doing it 10 men, um, and that kind of mental resilience that they had as well, because um, in my opinion, I don't think Tottenham would have won that game last season. Um and a lot of uh, a lot of football fans accuse Tottenham of kind of don't have that mental kind of uh, mental resilience to kind of get through games if the chips are down. But for Tottenham, it was the exact opposite, um, and they got through it and deserved to win. And that's them now top of the table going into this international break, which for uh, and post the it must it must be he will be delighted with that. Um, I just felt it was such a big win for Tottenham. Um, a massive three points for them. And just with the 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 situation that they were in, the fact they were down to ten men. Um so yeah, so Luton Town Tottenham was one of my standard matches. And I've went through the Burnley one, Chelsea four match. Um, because well, for number one, I think it's a great away result for Chelsea. Um, you know, that's now two wins in a row, two uh, two away wins in a row now. Um and the fact they went to a Burnley side and uh, beat them by four goals, um, and you know, so sorry they scored four goals suggests the 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 impressive performance they put in. You know they went one 0 down in that match as well, um, and the fact that they, you know, they got back into the game and kind of controlled it, and Raheem Sterling was really good in that match as well. Uh, he got himself a couple of goals and he got himself an assist, um. But for uh, Chelsea, it does seem to be that the last week or so that they've kind of turned the corner. Um, you know, they've had a pretty slow start to the season uh, under Pochettino, but, um, you know, they do seem to have turned the corner now. And, you know, the fact that they've gone into this international break um, with two two wins in a row, two away wins in a row as well, um, you know, suggests that, the, you know, Pochettino's kind of starting to get his messages across. Um, because Chelsea do have some tough games coming up as well. Um. So um, yeah. No. So shit for Chelsea. You know, uh, I I just think it was that much to to me because I just think, you know, Chelsea's they've, they've turned a corner recently. Um, you know, I was I wanted to say the Arsenal Man City game, but just lastly, but you know, in terms of yeah, I think you just briefly mentioned it, that the the quality of the match wasn't great. You know, it was a pretty slow match. You know, there wasn't really any great chances getting created by both sides. Um, and although it is a big result for Arsenal, it doesn't really mean much at this kind of start, at this kind of, you know, uh, time of the season. Um, but for Arsenal and Arteta, they were delighted that they finally got over that hurdle of beating Man City. 
who uh, who they looked who they look as as their closest rivals in the league. So um, that wasn't really a standout to me. So uh, yeah, so the Chelsea Burnley game and the Luton Tottenham game were my two standout matches from the weekend. Um, so we will now move on to reacting to last weekend's Scottish Premier League results. So again, I'll just quickly go through them. So on uh, Saturday, um, the results were Celtic 3, Kilmarnock 1, Hearts, Hearts 2, Hibs 2, Livingston 2, Motherwell 0. Um, and on Sunday, um, the results finished St Mirren 0, Rangers 3, and Aberdeen 0, St Johnston 0. So Pierce, which match or matches stands out to you the most? So I've went with three matches. Um, so I went with the Edinburgh Derby, Hearts 2, Hibs 2. I've went with Celtic 3, Kilmarnock 1. And I've went with St Mirren 0, Rangers 3. I felt as if the three matches were the key fixtures of um, the SBFL card this weekend. Um, so I think we'll start with Edinburgh Derby. Um, it was a match that Hearts got off to the perfect start. Two goals up, they were flying. Um and obviously Tynecastle was rocking, but Hibs respond in the second half. Um, Elie Yuan with, with a double within, I think it was like 68 seconds, which is an incredible turnaround for Hibs. And I feel as if under Lee Johnson, that wouldn't have happened. I think Hibs would have capitulated, I think they would have crumbled. But I think with, um, is it Nick Montgomery, the new manager, I think he's done a tremendous job since he's came in. Uh, you touched on it last week. He had a phenomenal result. Um, I think like oh, he's, he's seen how successful he was in Australia, but you can see right away that he's got them playing a attractive style of football, and they've got he's got them resolute at the back because I think Hibs have always been quite a entertaining side, but they're kind of one that kind of similar to like a Tottenham that you mentioned before. Ange Postecoglou came in. They they were kind of like spineless, kind of almost like they just. When the chips were down, players were just kind of throwing the towel. But I think now he's kind of got them resolute. They've got that kind of mentality now where they, even in a hostile place as Tynecastle, that they can come back. And I think that was a, a tremendous result. And um, Celtic 3 come on at 1. Um, wasn't really a vintage performance in terms of like, Celtic getting the win, but obviously come on up, as, as, as you would expect, sitting in hoping to hit the break, um, basically like eight or nine men behind the ball and then just counter-attacking football. Um, but it's a fantastic result. Obviously maintains that lead at the top um, to seven points and obviously come on not Celtic out um, with the League Cup um, not too long ago, just a, a matter of weeks ago. So that's obviously nice to get, obviously, for Celtic to... Get a retribution for that, but uh, and obviously maintain that lead at the top of the table. Um, in terms of St Mirren nil Rangers three, that was a pretty short, pretty short result. Uh, to, if you if, to be honest, because obviously Rangers have now um managerless and they're in caretaker charge by Stephen Davis. Um, and obviously they lost in midweek in Europe to Aris Limassol, which is. Pretty short result, to be honest, regardless if they've got a manager or not. Because you look at some of the quality players that are in that Rangers squad, you thought they'd have had enough to get the job done, but that wasn't to be. And then to go to St Mirren away from home, and St Mirren are one of the strongest teams in the SBFL. They're, 
they barely leak any goals and and they're always a threat from set pieces. Um so that was was a it was a pretty comfortable afternoon in the end. Um and I, th I think that was a really good confidence booster for uh, for Rangers. Um and obviously it puts them now level points with St. Mirren uh, in joint second. So that's um uh, Matthew results for the weekend. Yep. <clears throat> um thanks Pierce. I was just I mean, looking through them, there's not I mean there's only one really to be honest that stands out for me. That's the the Edinburgh Derby, which finished Hearts two, Hibs two. Um, because it was just a cracking match to watch. Um, you know, Hearts were the better team in the first half. Um, and Alan Forrest's goal, uh, to make to put Hearts up one 0 was, it was a it was a cracker of a goal to be honest. Cutting in from the right and, uh, hitting a shot with his uh weaker foot, which which is his left, and it flew right into the top corner. You know, it was it was a it was a brilliant finish. And then Hearts went two 0 up, in the second half. And everybody thought, oh, you know, it's going to be kind of the same story where, you know, Hearts have always got the upper hand in this kind of fixture. But um, I think it was two goals in two minutes. And Hibs managed to, to pull it back um, with two goals from Eli Ewan, which made it 2-2 in the match. And then uh, after it went 2-2, uh, the both teams were just trying to win the match. Um, the, you know, they were both going for it and it made it out to be, it made it, you know, an exciting match to watch. Um, both teams were running to end in the match. Um, and any team could have won it in the end. Um, so, so you were also saying there about Montgomery uh, since he's come in uh, as Hibs as manager. You know, he has got off to a solid start. You know, he's unbeaten uh, since he's come in. Um, you know, uh, he, he does seem to be getting a reaction out of the Hibs players because... Towards the end of Lee Johnson's time, it was, it looked pretty dull in that team. You know, they, they were getting beat quite easily, conceding a lot of goals. But, uh, yeah, there does seem to be something for Nick Montgomery to build on, um, in that Hibs team, and I think they could, at the end of this, turn out to have a pretty good season. Um, I was going to ask you, Pierce, obviously about moving on from Hibs and Hearts, and I'm going to ask you about the uh, Rangers at the moment, their situation. Um, so obviously, uh, they did win at the weekend. You briefly mentioned the fact that they got beat in Europe last week as well. Um, but obviously they are without a manager. You know, Stephen Davis is the interim at the moment. You know, there's lots of names being flown about. So what do you think of Rangers' managerial search at the moment? Do you think it's gone well? And who do you think? Um, what name do you suggest that he should take the job? Well, I think in terms of the managerial search, um, if you look at the last time they appointed Michael Beale in terms of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, he was pictured inside Ibrox a matter of weeks before he was even um, given the boot, which is a bit kind of sus suspicious a little bit, like you, kind of, like you knew his time was up. But I think with Michael Beale, they trusted him and the amount of money they gave him compared to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, who got Rangers to a European final, which is a phenomenal achievement and even won the Scottish Cup as well in his time there. Um, but Michael Beale got more the most money any Rangers managers ever had since Dick Advocat in the 90s. So Rangers were really banking on Michael Beale to be successful. And obviously with his being at the club um, during Rangers' um, season when he stopped attending the role for Celtic, 
He was assistant manager then, but they thought he was like the mastermind, like the tactical genius behind Steven Gerrard's um, uh, winning winning team. Um, but it just it never worked out. He got the he got the he got the plaza he identified and he wanted, but they never really got in a style of play. Um, in terms of managerial search, I think there's two two names that are strongly linked at the moment, and that's um, Clement the Belgian. And also Kevin Musket from uh, Japan, the showing manager. Um, for me, I don't know too much about Clement. Um, I heard he's managed like a couple of clubs in Belgium, like it was Anderlecht or Club Bruges. Um, but also I know a lot about Kevin Musket because obviously I cover a lot of the Japanese league and the Korean league. And obviously we know him as a player. Um, he used to play for Rangers. He was a very hardy defender. Um, sometimes over the top. Um. But in terms of his managerial um, pedigree, he's 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 a top top manager. Um, because in Japan he took over manager Posta Koglu, um, and continued success. And Yokohama don't have the biggest budget. If anything, they have like a mid table budget, and every window they're losing some of their key players to Europe, and they don't go out and buy the best players from the league. They just promote from within. So. To continue and maintain success within the Japanese league and the Japanese cups and the Asian Champions League, um, and the style of football he plays is really good. Um, so no, I think I think for me he would be the standout candidate, and obviously he played for Rangers before, and he has, he knows that as well, and obviously maybe have give Rangers a chance to shop in that market in terms of Japan and South Korea, um, because there's a lot of unearthed gems that can um. Obviously, coming to Scottish League, and you've seen that with Celtic, it's happened before in terms of the players they brought, and they've just hit the ground running because there's a lot of top quality players outside of Europe that can um, easily come into Europe and um, make an impact. So for me, I think Kevin Musket would be the the standout candidate to be the new Rangers manager. Yep, <clears throat> um, I would because I, I, I just want to briefly say because um, you know we're now in an in international break and. I think a lot of Rangers fans were expecting Rangers to kind of have the managerial point appointment sorted now, and that doesn't seem to be the case. And I'm now wondering if they'll have a manager in before the first game starts back after this international break. Um, so it does seem to me that Rangers are really taking their time, um, and trying to identify the right person to to take them forward. And um, you were saying there, obviously, the at the moment it does seem to be. Uh, Rangers that they're making a choice between two people, which is Felipe Clement and Kevin Muscat. So just starting with Felipe Clement, um, he's actually got a really good success. Um, he's not he's not uh, worldwide known. You know, he's not the most known manager. Um, but he did well at Monaco. Um, uh, he got he, he left the club um just in the summer there at the end of the season, but he did pretty well there. Um, you know. Kind of competing at the top end of the French league, um, you know, I think they got some some impressive results, um, and yeah, you know, um, he did put a good job there, but it was more at Club Bruges where he did a good job, um, I think when he took over they were kind of mid table and he managed to get them to be title winners in Belgium. I think they won it three times in a row, um, which kind of suggests you know he's got a he's got um a history of winning trophies, um. You know, uh, I think he plays a, a, a quite a good style of football. 
I'm not sure if this is true, but I think he did used to work with serial deaths. Um, I'm not quite sure if that is true, but um, apparently, yeah, serial deaths and Clement kind of know each other. Um, and also, uh, Philippe Clement's Belgian, and uh, so is um, Nico Raskin. So there might be a, a bit of a good connection there. So, but Philippe Clement does seem to be the favourite at the moment. Um, and if he did come into Rangers, you know, it'd be definitely interesting to see how he would do because, you know, it's not a name that I think anyone expected um, Rangers to be kind of looking at, you know. Um, but he, he is an impressive manager. Um, and then Kevin Muscat, as you said, you know, um, he's another one where I think a lot more people know about him because of his history where he was at Rangers. I think it was only for a year, but he was at Rangers. Um, he's got a history of playing for Rangers, and obviously um, he's now the manager of Yokohama Marinos. Uh, he took over from Ange Postecoglou, and obviously, Pierce, you know a lot about him. Um, you know, he, he would probably make the most sense in terms of the fact he's got a history of playing for Rangers. He kind of knows a bit more about the club. Um, but there has been suggestions that he isn't willing to leave uh, Yokohama um, until December, because I think that's when the season finishes. Yeah, there's still, um, I think there's like five or six games left of the season, so, and they're in a the title race, so I think he would wait until the season concluded because another chance to win a trophy. Yeah, so as yeah, so apparently there's a thing that he won't leave until that that league, the league finishes, um, and I don't think Rangers, in the situation they're in, I don't think they're going to be willing to wait. Um, so I would say Clement is the favourite at the moment, um, and Muscat's a close second, and I think it's just a, I think it's just a decision we just need to make of who they want to go for. Um, but I, I think this kind of managerial situation for Rangers will be solved pretty pretty soon, and when it does, we'll talk about it more um, on the podcast. Um, so for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yep. Um. So, uh, last weekend we had um. Uh, Korean league action. Um, so that was the final match day before the top six and bottom six split. Um, so we had on all the matches were played on Sunday, the eighth of October. Uh, so we had Dejan Hana Citizen one, Jeju United nil, Ilsan Hyundai nil, Incheon United nil, FC Seoul nil, Jumbut Hyundai Motors two, Daegu FC two, Seoul FC two, Guangzhou one. Gang on FC nil, Suwon Samsung Blue Wings one, and Pohang Steelers nil. So the top half is now um, Ulsan Hyundai, top with 67 points, Pohang Steelers in second and 58 points. Third, Guangzhou FC, remarkable season. Um, I think they've been the surprise package um, in 54 points. They've been Jumbook in fourth and 49, Daegu FC in fifth and 49, and Intranated squeeze in to make the top six in 48 points. So they're going for that's the championship group in terms of that they'll be playing against each other. So there'll be five matches remaining um, and that will be concluded roughly about the same time as the Japanese League. Um, so in terms of the relegation group, so the bottom six half of the table, we've got FC Seoul in seventh position who just missed out on the top six finish, which is a unheard of because... Um, they spent a lot of money this season in terms of bringing in proven players, but it just never worked out. Um, 
So they, they finished sixth and seventh on 47 points. Eighth, Dejan Hanna Citizen 45, then Judge United in 35 in ninth position. And then 10th position with Sue on FC. And then we've got Gang on FC in 11th and on 26 points. And Sue on Samson Blue Wings at the bottom on 25. So three teams that are in the relegation scrap, basically. So Sue and FC, Gang on, and Sue and Samson Blue Wings. Um, so obviously the 12th position gets relegated. In the 10th and 11th position are the relegation playoffs. So the three of them... Well, are, are, are in hot water to be honest. Um, so Gang One FC and Suwong Sam the Blue Wings have been kind of rotating between bottom position. So the bottom position is the one that automatically relegated. In terms of the top half, we've got the first and second position automatically into the Asian Champions League group stage, and then third position goes into the Asian Champions League qualifiers. So that's your Jap uh, Korean league. So in terms of Japanese league, there was no fixtures at all this weekend. Uh, last weekend. Um, so the G League one returns on Friday, twenty October, uh, with Kawasaki Frontale and playing the Vispa Fukuoka um, at seven PM on Friday, um, and then Urare Diamonds versus Kashiri. So when that's at seven thirty, so two cracking matches. Um, in G- Friday night G League action never disappoints, and that'll be um what you look forward to. So in terms of international break for Japan is South Korea. So on Friday the 13th of October, we've got Japan versus Canada um, at 7.35 kickoff, And that'll be played in the Denka Big Swan Stadium in Nagata, Japan. So that's the home of Alberic, Nagata. And then on the same day, so Friday 13th of October, we've then got South Korea playing Tunisia. And that's an 8pm kickoff at the South World Cup Stadium. And then on Tuesday the 17th of October, we have Japan versus Tunisia, and that is set for seven ten kickoff, and that is in the Novia Stadium, Kobe, in Japan. And then to round off, we've got Wednesday, eighteenth October, and that's South Korea versus Vietnam, eight pm kickoff, Seoul World Cup Stadium. So crack matches, two crack matches for both both sides, and that'll be really appetising to go watch the two uh, four four matches. So in terms of other Asian football news, um. Paik Sung Ho has recently rejected that Hyundai Jumbo Hyundai Motors contract extension. Um, the former Barcelona and Girona stars considering a return to Europe. And at 26, I feel he's not only grown as a player, but also as a man and feel he would settle and equip himself well. Paik can play as a deep six or a box to box eight. Um, comfortable both feet and has shown his class for both club and country, where he's a, a nailed on starter. So, Saturday, 7th October, South Korea under-23s played their arch-rivals, Japan under-23s, in the final of the 2022 Asian Games. Uh, South Korea triumphed 2-1. Uh, this was a fantastic news for the players as they now have either cut their mandatory military service short or don't have to do it for winning the gold medal. The match was played at the Hangzhou Dragon Stadium in China and it was certainly an entertaining match which I reported on, and you can read the full match report on the Football Tuesday website. So, some di- disappointing news coming up now. So, the Italy, Brazil, and Korea Legends All Star game, scheduled to be in Goyang on the 21st of October, has now been cancelled. Reports say Racing Group did not pay the money on time. This isn't the first time this has happened this year, 
Both Juventus' tour, Wolves and Celtic's pre-season tours all cancelled due to the organisers not paying the clubs on time. Major blow for all the fans who bought tickets and I'm as gutted as anyone as I had a ticket already bought, hotel booked, flight um, and train tickets not all arranged, but um, had to get them all cancelled. Um, but that's not going to be possible, but we will have more uh, special content like this again um, when a, another event like this happens. And um, you'll hear it, you'll see it here first on the Football Trigger website where we've got you covered for any and all football news in Asia as well as Europe. Um, so the KFA is pursuing the introduction of a promotion and relegation system between the K League 2 and the K League 3 starting from 2026 season. So Celtic have been monitoring Guangzhou FC's Jung Ho Yun. And he's of interest to the Scottish champions. Jung recently won a uh, military exemption at the Asian Games and would be open to a move to Europe. Um, Jung Ho Yun, 23, is a central midfielder who has helped Guang Jesse to a third place finish in the Key League um, with only five matches remaining of the season. This could be a potential destination for Jung um, come the January transfer window. Um, so watch this space. So that's. that's transfer that could possibly happen in the, in the not too distant future. Um, and also South Korean national team fullback uh, So Young Woo received an offer um, from Heart of Midlothian in the Scottish Premiership uh, last uh, during the last winter transfer window. The move was a loan to buy option um, but it didn't progress any further than that. However, So is open to a move to Europe and could be another talented South Korean who also makes a move to European side come January. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Tribute podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Tribute YouTube channel and also the Football Tribute website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.